Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Welcome to Good For A Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Allie. And I'm Cressy. And today we're going to answer the question, who is Joe Alwyn? We're super excited to talk about Joe. But before we get started, we just want to say that Taylor has explicitly said that her relationship with Joe isn't up for discussion. And we 100% want to respect Taylor and their decision to keep the relationship private. And we really respect them for that. A lot of coverage on Joe focuses on rumors about his relationship with Taylor, so we aren't going to do that today. This episode is about Joe and who he is, using information consensually given in interviews. We even watched his movies to prepare. Yes, and when it comes to his relationship with Taylor, we're only going to mention things either she or he have publicly said on their own behalf, as well as song lyrics, so no creepy non-consensual paparazzi photos or tabloid speculations. No, none of that. Very respectful because we love you, Taylor. We love you. So let's you. meet the man that sweet Taylor fell in love with. Yes. Let's start with who he is and where he's from. Take it away, Allie. Joe Alwyn was born February 21st, 1991. That means as of today, he is 29 and he was raised in North London. He is six foot two, and in his interview with Vogue, he is described as a cross between a young Leonardo DiCaprio and a golden retriever. What a compliment. What a description. <laughs> wow. I like I can't think of two better things to be related to. But Wait, describe he... yourself as a celebrity and a dog. Oh, I would be Lisa Kudrow and a Greyhound. Um, oh my gosh. I would be. I would definitely be Jennifer Lawrence and a golden poodle. Okay. Your hair is very straight, but I respect your decision. <laughs> I would say golden retriever, but that felt like it was off the table since that's just Joe Alwyn's pet name. Or oh, that's yeah, Joe Alwyn's dog. Yeah, I couldn't. So I'll go with golden doodle. Um, he was raised by his mom, a psychotherapist, and his dad, a documentary filmmaker. They were middle class, and Joe has two siblings. According to a Vogue interview, he had a scholarship to attend the City of London School growing up, which is an independent day school for boys 10 to 18. And he didn't show an interest in acting at first. He says, quote, I was never the loud kid, the precocious kid. In my mind, the idea of an actor was one of those people who put themselves out there all the time. I was, and am, more introverted, I guess, end quote. Then he got more interested in acting as he got older, and he ended up performing with the National Youth Theater. So he actually auditioned to play the boy, the little boy in Love Actually, and he said in the Vogue interview, obviously I didn't get the part. What a tragedy, because that is one heck of a part. I love that movie, and the little boy is so cute. He even read with the cast. He what? He made it. He made it as far that he even read with the cast. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, he got really far in the process. Now I just need a picture of Joe Allen as a little kid because the little kid that did get cast in that movie is pretty freaking adorable. 
Yeah, it ended up going to Hugh Grant's son. Is that his name? Oh, was it Hugh Grant's son? I didn't know that. I love that movie. One of the actor's child. Got it. Oh, wow. Nepotism. What? He then went on to attend the University of Bristol to study English literature and drama. What, what? And he graduated in 2012. After university, he attended the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama to pursue a bachelor's in acting. In an interview with GQ, we learned that he loves the actors Mark Rylance and Marlon Brando, but his favorite is Ben Weishaw. And when he's talking about Ben, Joe Allen says, quote, I think it's tied to the fact I saw him on stage when he was just out of RADA. That's the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art that's in England. And I remember seeing him be Hamlet. I was 14 and thought, I want to do that. End quote. Uh In the same interview, he's asked what his favorite Taylor song is. And he answers, quote, I'm just not even going to go into that side of the world. End quote. Cressy, what do you think his answer would be if he had answered? Uh, I think... Deep down, he probably would answer the same way you and I would answer. It's like, you can't pick one, you know? Because you and I, we don't have a favorite. Yeah. No, I mean, it's true. It's hard. We have, like, a list of our favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I think our lists are, like, five-plus songs. Yeah. The first song that would have come to my mind would be Gorgeous, just because it's a whole song talking about how gorgeous he is. But, I mean, who knows what he listens to. There is that video of him, too, of Taylor performing that live at a concert, and he's, like, trying not to smile. Yeah, and he's, like, kind of, like, mm. <laughs> It's so and cute. And he's, like, you can see him, like, going from, like, grinning to, like, be cool, be cool. <laughs> um, but now that we've kind of got some background on who Joe Alwyn is, why don't we talk a little bit about his career? Cressy? Yeah, so his career kicked off in a way that I feel most actors dream of. Like, it's almost unheard of. So within two weeks of his graduate showcase, he was cast as a lead for Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. In an interview with Esquire in 2016, he says, quote, I got my dad to tape some audition scenes in my room and asked some friends to tape me in my lunch break at drama school. And I sent the tapes to America, end quote. He sent wow. the tapes to America. He just sent it across the pond. So cute. Just like Hamilton. <laughs> Sorry. What? You wouldn't understand, Krezzy. Okay. Continue. No, I hate musicals. <gasps> okay. Not allowed to That's say that. That's an argument for another day. Okay, yes. All right, continue. <laughs> the article then goes on to say that two days later, he was on a plane to New York to read in person for Ang Lee, the director of Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, and then to Atlanta to screen test obligatory piece up A-Town Down. <laughs> Four days later, he got back to London. He dropped out of drama school just for the part. Here's a quote from an interview he did with Rolling Stone about this that I feel like sums up just the whole whirlwind this all was. Quote, the whole thing happened in 10, maybe 12 days, he says, still sounding a little dizzy from it all. It was a real baptism of fire. Suddenly, I went from being a student to standing in front of these huge cameras on set. But I was playing someone who has to cope with being thrust right into the center of a completely new foreign environment. So there were definite parallels to draw on, end quote. What a metaphor. I also want to say that this article is from November 2016, way before anyone even speculated that he and Taylor knew each other. Yeah. But the way that this article started, if I were he or Taylor... 
reading it, my jaw would have dropped to the floor. Wait, what? how did it start? It starts with, One week, Joe Allen was just another young man in drama classes at London's Royal Center School of Speech and Drama, running scenes with its classmates, preparing a showcase for a potential agent, doing what any 25-year-old who dreamed of becoming the next Lawrence Oliver, or at the very least, the next Tom Hiddleston, ever since he was a kid. End quote. (laughs) Right? Oh my god. Yikes, right? Could you imagine? And that's funny because they met at the same night or what, you know? I know. Oh my God. And Joe Alwyn topped Tom Hiddleston. Oh my God. Yep. That's fantastic. And I know the writer was just using Tom Hiddleston as an example of another famous English actor, but this is just really funny knowing now that no one knew that he and Taylor were seeing each other. And here this writer is comparing him to Taylor's ex-boyfriend. Absolute gold. I always think about Tom Hiddleston um, with the lyric where it was like, all those fancy cars don't take me anywhere that you do, you know? Like, because obviously Joe Allen is way less famous than Taylor, you know? So I think Tom Hiddleston with the fast cars, like the fast, nice cars, and then Joe Allen is taking her places that those fast cars never did. I don't know. I always think about Tom Hiddleston in that, but I think I give Tom Hiddleston too much credit in some of Taylor's lyrics because I don't think he was really that significant to her. Yeah, and I think you could use the line about the fancy cars to be about really any of her exes, you know? Yeah. So now let's get into his breakthrough role as Billy Lynn and Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. So again, this is a 2016 film directed by Ang Lee, and Ang Lee is a very famous filmmaker. He's Taiwanese, and he has also directed Life of Pi, Sense and Sensibility, Brokeback Mountain, and Gemini Man, just to name a few. Damn. The movie is based on a book of the same name by Ben Fountain, and it also stars Kristen Stewart, Steve Martin, and Vin Diesel. The movie is based in 2004 about Billy Flynn. He is a 19-year-old who is a member of the U.S. Army, and he and his squad are at a Thanksgiving halftime show for a Dallas Cowboys game. There, they are being honored for a very heroic act that Billy did. So basically, he was caught on camera in sort of a viral moment. He was running out to defend his sergeant, played by Vin Diesel, during a shootout in Iraq. He shoots one of the men attacking the sergeant and then drags the sergeant's body away to try to save him. He's pretty clearly dead at this point, but it's... It's heroic because he ran out there in the middle of everything, no cover, no one was covering him, and he tries to save his sergeant even though it's pretty clear he's he's gone, you know? Yeah. And as the sergeant is dying, he has another encounter, which ends in him killing that man as well. And this story is told in flashbacks, kind of like PTSD flashbacks, while they're at the football game. So, you know, there's like the loud fireworks, the crowds, the screaming, like those kind of trigger these flashbacks that tells this story. And... The halftime show features the squad and Destiny's Child because it's 2004 and they're in Texas. (laughs) Wait, did Beyonce star in this film? No, they had a stand-in, but it was Destiny's Child music. Okay, fun. Yeah. So I won't give away any spoilers. That's just the gist of it. Um, It's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. You can watch it for free with commercials or rent it for like four bucks. I did the commercials because I'm cheap. Yeah. We want to support Joe Allen, our girl's man. Yes. So uh, Joe worked really hard to prepare for this movie. He had to not only learn a Texas accent, 
which is crazy to think about because he really sounded like a Texan. It didn't sound over the top. You know how some people, when they mock Southerners, they just, they go way too far and it's so obnoxious. Like the guy in Mindy Project, the Southern character in Mindy Project. Yeah. Oh my God, it's awful. It's just jarring, but he did really well and he actually learned this. And he also went through basic training camp for the Marines, which he Hot. described to Rolling Stone as both, quote, two weeks of isolation with seven other boys and two Navy SEALs trying to break you. And one of the best experiences of his life to date. I will never understand wow. men. <laughs> I don't understand. That just sounds like hell. Yeah, I don't understand how men call that the best week of their life. I'm glad he did that so he could kind of call back on those experiences. But he definitely didn't do that to get ripped because he's not like shirtless or anything. Mm-hmm. And any it's he's in uniform the entire movie. Yeah. So he really did that to see what it's like. I think that's very admirable. Yeah. So what's really interesting about this movie is that it's the first ever feature film using a frame rate of 120 frames per second. Pretty legit. And it's filmed in 3D and at 4K HD resolution. So now I'm not a tech person with any film knowledge at all, so I probably said that incorrectly, but just know this is shot to look like real life. And just for reference, the industry standard is 24 frames per second. That's pretty crazy. So I definitely could tell that the resolution was super high quality, but I think I would have appreciated it more if I had watched it on my laptop, laying in bed in a dark room with the screen like right in front of my face, you know? Yeah. Because I was watching it on my TV, which is like across the room on the wall. And I also have my laptop in front of me writing this episode. (laughs) I think if any of our listeners are going to watch it, definitely like turn off all the lights, watch it on a screen that you can have really close to you so you can really see it up close and really appreciate it. But there were some parts where I was like, damn, that's, that looks like real life. Interesting. Okay, cool. It unfortunately didn't perform that well. It had a budget of $40 million and it grows $30.9 million. It currently has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMBD and 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. So most of the criticism is on the complex format, just not delivering, basically. Just too much technology going on, you know. And some called the visual innovations distracting. And The Guardian actually said it was because Iraqi war settings don't usually resonate to American audiences. And war genres are tough in general to sell in the States. They're also typically sold as action movies, and this is a drama. So I thought that was really interesting. And some people did like this. I did see user reviews on websites like IMBD and Amazon where anyone can write one. So take this with a grain of salt. But, you know, I always like to read through them, click around. Mm -hmm. And I saw some really heartfelt reviews from former members of the military saying that they really appreciated its depiction of PTSD. So I, I do think the fans of this movie are big fans you know it's either like you either like it a lot or you don't like it a lot would you recommend that i watch it so i will tell you i went into it with very low expectations because i read the professional reviews first which you know it's always a mistake but there were times where i had to stop writing to pay attention to this movie because it actually sucked me in and i got really into it and i was not expecting me to get into a movie about a, a Texan army soldier, you know, <laughs> yeah. at, a, at a Dallas Cowboys football halftime show, nonetheless. You're not the typical uh, audience for that type of film. No. And I got really into it. And 
really what drew me in is his acting. It's phenomenal. And there are moments when there were other actors on screen. No offense to the girl playing the cheerleader. There were some parts where she wasn't very good. I'm so sorry. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I, you're great. I'm sure you're very talented. But his acting was so good. Oh, So good. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. What did you watch, Allie, to prepare? <laughs> So I'm really excited to talk about The Favorite. I love this film. But just before we get into it, Taylor posts an Instagram in November of 2018 about this movie. And she captioned it, quote, The Favorite is absolutely phenomenal. And it opens in New York and LA tomorrow. Swipe to see cities and dates. At The Favorite Movie, at Joe Alwyn, and at Nicholas Holt, end quote. Love it. I love to see the support. And you know, this is like one of her only posts that's like, has at joe alwyn you know like she doesn't ever post anything with him so it was open support for joe alwyn's film so interesting he co-stars with emma stone um i'm sure most of y'all know emma stone and taylor were really really close back in the day like kind of pre-squad era we can't see any bad blood between emma stone and taylor they're not seen together as much as they were but nonetheless they were really really close and i'm sure they're most likely still friends today Mm -hmm. But he also co-stars in this film, The Favorite, with Olivia Coleman, who's phenomenal. She also stars in Fleabag and now The Crown. And also Rachel Weisz is in this movie. So this film is actually really, really known for the trio performance between these three women, Emma Stone, Olivia Coleman, and Rachel Weisz. And honestly, it's incredible. But Joe Alwyn has a great part also. Joe Alwyn plays Samuel Masham, who is the love interest of Emma Stone, which is pretty funny considering how close Emma Stone and Taylor Swift were. I mean, I just can't imagine having to do sexy scenes with someone a friend is dating. But I guess that's just part of the world that they live in. You know, if you're an actor, you you have to act. And they do a great job. Um, But I wanted to share some of his sexy lines because it it definitely made me giggle. I don't know if that's pretty weird for me to say, but yeah, he says, um, quote, I am rock hard and it is our wedding night. End quote. He says it with a lot more vigor than that. And it's kind of followed with a semi explicit hand job after that. But, um, I don't know if I should include that or not. Uh, sure. We're explicit. Yeah. And then he also says that Emma Stone's character should be quote, stripped and whipped end quote. So um, this film was nominated for 10 Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Cinematography, just to name a few. That is a lot of Oscars, and that is like some of the best Oscars you can get. It was a great- 10 Oscars? 10 Oscars. That's not even all of them. And like, those are all like really high up, like really coveted- awards to win prestigious yeah like oscars are already prestigious and then like to win best picture or best original screenplay that's like yeah end game no i want to watch it um so i was a media studies major back in the day so i know like a little bit about film um but it honestly like it blew me away it was funny it was dramatic it was beautifully filmed all at the same time like i really highly recommend this film Um, However, it only took home one Oscar, which I thought was really sad considering it was nominated for 10, but it was for Olivia Coleman as Best Lead Actress. But anyway, here's a little bit of the plot. Um, So the film is loosely based on historical events surrounding Queen Anne, 
So in the film, Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne, and basically the whole film is a competition for Queen Anne's love between Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. Basically, Rachel Weisz's character, Sarah Churchill, is Queen Anne's favorite in the beginning of the film, and she is basically manipulating the queen in order for herself to have a ton of power in England. But um, Queen Anne in this film, she's a bit of a loony, also suffering from severe gout, So a lot of people are trying to, like, control her. So then the whole film focuses on how Emma seduces Queen Anne and climbs her way to the top. I know this all sounds, like, really super dramatic, but I'm telling you this film is very entertaining. And I don't want to give too much away, but basically, while Emma is seducing the queen, she's also seducing and manipulating Joe Allen's character, which is where he comes in. Emma and Joe have, like, a super weird, aggressive flirtationship throughout the entire film and honestly it's it's very well done and it's extremely entertaining they literally not figuratively are like throwing each other around and rolling on the ground like fighting physically fighting at one point it's very weird but it's it's very fun to watch there's also this very specific scene where we are introduced to joe allen's character and he looks beautiful he's literally riding through the woods on a horse in a super elegant like puffy white shirt and his hair is swept back. It literally screams love story. You have to see it. He looks so good. So Joe Alwyn also stars in the movie Harriet. So he co-stars with Cynthia Erivo, who plays Harriet Tubman. Also Janelle Monae, Jennifer Nettles, oddly, making and acting what I think is her debut. I don't know if she's acted before. And then Leslie Odom Jr., who is actually the same guy who plays Aaron Burr in Hamilton. So shout out. Woohoo. But Jennifer Nettles from Sugarland actually plays Joe Alwyn's mom in this film. Hmm. So that's pretty funny. Joe Alwyn's character is Gideon Broadus, who is Harriet Tubman's childhood friend turned master. Before I saw the film, I thought this meant his character would be a cross between a good guy and a bad guy. Nope. He's just a bad guy. He's just, uh. yeah, he's just a racist slave owner. So he spends most of the film trying to chase down and torture Harriet Tubman. So, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty evil part. But the plot follows Harriet Tubman's life, how she escaped from slavery in Maryland. And everyone's shocked because she did it completely alone. So then she becomes, like, super well-known, becomes the most famous conductor of the Underground Railroad. Um, Obviously an incredible story. It was very fun to watch. And... It's pretty interesting to see Joe Alwyn play a role as an evil slave owner, especially since he's British and he has a southern accent. He got to reuse his skills from the Billy Flynn movie. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he's, he actually surprisingly has a pretty good southern accent. It was a great movie and, you know, you learn a lot about Harry Tubman and I really enjoyed watching it and I think you would too. So give it a watch. But now let's get back to Taylor since we, we really dove into that film career of his <laughs> yeah so now let's jump into his relationship with taylor so again we're going to respect their privacy and their relationship we're only going to discuss things they have both consensually said to the media so in a recent interview with vogue joe talks about his relationship with taylor and how they want to keep things private and the author of this is kind of creepy <laughs> but let's get into it quote For all the exciting company he's been keeping, there is one person everyone wants to hear about. He smiles. 
I'm aware people want to know about that side of things, he says, of his relationship with the world's most famous dater. I hate that. That's awful. The world's most famous dater? Fuck off. Oh, God. Gross. Yeah. Continuing. Who he met in the wake of his initial success a couple years ago. I think we have been successfully very private, and that has now sunk in for people. As he leans back in his chair, you can see how on brand he is for Miss Swift. British, obviously. Doe-eyed, a little bit fashion, with the air of an eternal undergrad student. The tabloids often dispense with his name on it and call him Taylor Bay. Just as Sting, he wouldn't like to say, but they've been living together on and off for a while now. Naturally, she's written a song about him. Gorgeous. But I really prefer to talk about work, he says, end quote. I kind of hate that Vogue writer right now. Yeah, uh, it made me really uncomfortable. Especially the world's most famous dater. What? Excuse me? Would they say that about a man? They literally called Joe on brand for Taylor. And then the way they described him. An undergrad student? Yeah, like I don't understand how that's on brand for Taylor. And just considering her previous boyfriends, which we aren't going to go into too deep, but like John Mayer, Jake Gyllenhaal, they were all like a decade older than she is. Yeah. You know, I, I I don't get this. Really, the only person close to her age would be Harry or the previous Joe. Yeah, I think this Vogue author is a little out of date, to say the least. Like, the world's most famous dater. Um, is this seven years ago? It feels like they're just trying really hard. Yeah. So there's, like, a lot of parentheses in it. You know, like, does this thing? He wouldn't like to say. It just, I don't know. It's weird. It's a little try hard for me. Yeah. Keep trying. So now that we've gotten that creepiness out of the way, <laughs> let's read something a little bit more beautiful. Hmm. A diary entry from Taylor featured in her Lover Deluxe album, version four, of which I own. <laughs> I have it right here in front of me. Of course. The page is bookmarked. Nice. Here we go. Yes. Let's hear it. So the date of this is interesting. It's January 3rd, 2017. So this is interesting because it's two days after New Year's, New Year's Day, the song. And she mentions that they've been dating for three months and remember three months ago when he was referred to as like the next Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Little did they know. January 3rd, 2017. I get all scared about the future because so much has changed in the last year of my life. I mean, this time last year, I was living in LA getting ready for Grammys. And now I'm essentially based in London, hiding out, trying to protect us from the nasty world that just wants to ruin things. We have been together and no one has found out for three months. I want it to stay that way because I don't want anything about this to change or become too complicated or intruded upon. But it's senseless to worry about someday not being happy when I'm happy now. Okay, breathe. End quote. Allie's crying, you guys. <laughs> Allie's tapped out. <laughs> it's like, it's senseless to worry about someday not being happy when I'm happy now. I think that's just a beautiful quote in itself. And even she's surprised by it. This like great love mm -hmm. just like hit her out of nowhere. It's beautiful. And she's like thrilled that no one found out for three months, which is yeah. incredible. I remember the first photo I saw of them, they were like on a patio sipping tea or something mm -hmm. and that was like speculation still and i think that was closer to may too so this 
they keep this secret for a really long time. So now on that sweet, sweet note, let's move on to Joe's role in Miss Americana. Yeah, we took a brief cry break, but now we're ready. <laughs> yeah, I've wiped my tears. We are ready Shifting gears. to talk about this wonderful, amazing documentary. Love it so much. How many times have you watched this, Allie? I've oh watched gosh. it twice. Uh, I need to watch it a third time. I feel like that's not enough, and I feel like I should be ashamed that I've only seen it twice. <laughs> when I when it first came out, I just kept trying to show people it. Like, so I don't know if I like sat down and watched it like start to finish. I know I've seen it at least twice, start to finish. Yeah. But like, I remember always like trying to show it to people, like specifically people that might have been like Taylor haters that came into the house. You know, mm-hmm. be like, let's watch the Taylor Swift documentary. I had a coworker come up to me. After this documentary came out, it's pretty well known around the office that I'm a big Taylor fan. I've got some of her Polaroids up in my cube, you know. Yeah. The whole nine yards. Of course. And he told me that he and his wife just happened to watch it on Netflix and that they weren't Taylor haters, but they weren't fans of her. They were just interested. Yeah. And he told me just about how much respect he has for her now and how this completely changed his view of her. And it just really made me happy to know that this film has actually changed people's minds yeah you know like this co-worker he didn't have a strong opinion but now he would probably say he's maybe even a little bit of a fan grown-ass man i'm going to shout out lauren snell my boyfriend's sister she obviously knows my love for taylor runs deep she you know she dabbles in the taylor swiftery but when she watched this documentary she watched it without me and she didn't tell me for like a good two or three weeks that the documentary made her cry (laughs) wasn't she a taylor hater too sorry lauren that we're gossiping about you we love you lauren knows we love her yes she definitely definitely wasn't like trying to be associated with taylor swift fandom so when she cried to it and like that moment kind of happened she was like i'm not gonna tell ali she's gonna freak out and i did and now i'm sharing it to the world so love you lauren should have never told me actually i don't even think lauren did tell me i think it was her best friend molly told me (laughs) and i haven't forgotten about it but, and then we watched it again. We watched it together after she told me that. And Lauren cried again. She made, Taylor made Lauren cry twice. Wow. Something's just really hit home. The power this movie has, y'all. I know. Make your family members watch it. It can do unbelievable things. But Joe is mentioned in Taylor's Miss Americana documentary a few times. One of the times being when she talks about the fall of 2016 and the aftermath of Kim's Snapchat video. Taylor says, quote, I felt alone. I felt really bitter. I felt sort of like a wounded animal lashing out. I figured I had to reset everything. I had to reconstruct an entire belief system for my own personal sanity. I also was falling in love with someone who had a wonderfully normal, balanced life. And we decided together that we wanted our relationship to be private. Even though it was really horrible, I was happy. But I wasn't happy in the way I was trained to be happy. It was happiness without anyone else's input. We were just happy, end quote. That reminds me of when Taylor talks about how musicians get their happiness from, like, people clapping and cheering, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know the direct quote, but that's that's in Miss Americana. I like that she pointed out that this was a happy that she wasn't trained to be happy in, you know? Like, it's just pure 
happiness in its mm-hmm. simplest, greatest form. Oh, chills. There's also a part that shows Taylor playing her song, Call It What You Want, on the guitar, and it looks like it's being taken by Joe, and from his point of view, she mouths the words, I love you to him. The only time we actually see Joe's face in the documentary is when Taylor finishes the concert during her Reputation Stadium tour, and she runs backstage into his arms, and they hug, and then walk away with their arms around each other. And they, like, still, like, hardly show his face, you know? It's still just, like, him in, like, a ball cap, and it's kind of, like, his profile. So it's still very private, even though this is, like, the one little tidbit we get about their relationship. And it's really special. And then, more recently, in April and May of this year, 2020, Joe posts an Instagram story of little Benjamin Button, Taylor's little kitty that we're introduced to in me. Two whole Instagram stories. With them never, ever posting anything about their relationship, you know, that feels pretty special. So... That's about as yeah, good as it like gets. They might be becoming more comfortable, maybe. Yeah. I mean, at this point, everyone knows they're together, so. Yeah, maybe they're just um, happy with the level of privacy they have now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're very stable. But now, let's talk about some Taylor lyrics. So, yeah, let's finish this episode with some of Taylor's lyrics that we think may relate to Joe. And we do want to clarify this is obviously our speculation because we really can never know for sure what exactly goes through Taylor's brilliant, brilliant, beautiful mind as she writes lyrics. Mm -hmm. And what we should also say is that essentially every love song on Reputation and Lover is universally thought to be about Joe. And don't worry, we won't go through every single one, but we do want to point out some of our favorite lines. So gorgeous. This is listed on our website's about page as one of my favorite Taylor songs. (laughs) I think this song is so underrated. It definitely is. I was obsessed with it the moment it came out. I I had similar feelings to Blank Space whenever I heard it for the first time. I was like, (laughs) whoa, I know this is good, you know? It essentially is a cutesy song. It starts with Blake Lively's child (laughs) saying gorgeous in a baby voice. Gorgeous. That was not a baby and voice. That was terrifying. That's going to haunt my nightmares tonight. Gorgeous. I can't do it. It's like, gorgeous. Uh, also a lot of dings in it. So the song is pretty dramatic, and I think that's why I love it so much. Um, but it has lines like, I can't say anything to your face because look at your face. I'm so furious at you for making me feel this way. There's nothing I hate more than what I can't have. And also, ocean blue eyes looking in mine. I feel like I might sink and drown and die. Love it. I love that. Yes. Um, Personally, I love the line, you should take it as a compliment that I'm talking to everyone here but you. I love that line too. One of the most famous women in the world, and she's purposely not talking to someone just because she thinks he's cute and she wants him to notice it. You know, like, I love that. That just makes her seem so human. And I also love the line, you should take it as a compliment that I got drunk and made fun of the way you talk. Yeah. Just imagining drunk Taylor doing a British accent (laughs) in front of Joe is just so funny to me. And it's such like a cheesy way to flirt. Yeah. So I think this was a good song to start with as songs probably about Joe because at a secret session for Reputation, Taylor actually allegedly told a fan, this fan later went on Tumblr to say this, that Gorgeous is about Joe. 
quote, basically Taylor made us all promise that if anyone made any accusations of who the song is about, we tell them it is 100% about her angel boyfriend of one year. This isn't a secret she wants us to tell people, end quote. Oh. Do you think angel boyfriend's from Taylor's mouth or the fan's mouth? I don't know. It's all weird, but we we just do know that she is not hiding that the song is about Joe, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. And... On to the next song, Dress. One of her lines says, flashback to when you met me, your buzz cut, and my hair bleached. Bleachella. Bleachella at the Met Gal in 2016. So she had platinum hair and he had a buzz cut. Yeah, for his movie, Billy Flynn's. Dot, 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 ready for it. The line, younger than all my exes, but he acts like such a man, so. Mm -hmm. And I love that line. Me too. (sighs) I love ready for it. But the next song, Call It What You Want, the video for the song looks like all the videos that Joe took of Taylor while they were together, which is super cute because you never really see him, but it definitely Mm -hmm. seems like it's all of their private little snapshots of like memories together. And it also seems to allude to the fact that they're keeping their relationship private, like call it what you want. They don't really care what other people think or say. And one of the great lines from the song is... All my flowers grew back as thorns, windows boarded up after the storm. He built a fire just to keep me warm. So the first time I heard this song, whenever it was released as a single, Hannah and I listened to it together, our friend Hannah, and it made me cry because I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. And it just made me so happy because this song just said to me how happy Taylor is, you know? Yeah. And just knowing how hurt she was. But just the lines alluding to everything that happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into basically, well, I don't care about y'all because I have this great guy. So call it what you want. I'm happy. <laughs> I feel like dating Joe probably made her feel like a normal person again. You know, like, wow, this person mm-hmm. really likes me for me. And like all that uncertainty and anxiety that goes along with it. Like talk about delicate. I love delicate. So it's kind of sweet that, you know, it's a very normal loving type relationship it's not about her fame but the next song london boy we're now in lover era and i don't really think this needs much explaining on how it's about joe alvin (laughs) considering it's called london boy but one of the great lines from this is you know i love a london boy i enjoy walking camden walking in the afternoon he likes my american smile like a child when our eyes meet darling i fancy you Oh, God, I love it. Such a sweet song. It's so giddy and, like, so um, smitten. It just seems like Mm -hmm. they're so in love. But Wait. Pause. Listeners. Allie. Sorry to interrupt. I had to pop back to Gorgeous for a second because I didn't bring up the meowing. So um, this doesn't have anything to do with Joe, but since it's a song about Joe, I feel comfortable bringing it up. Um, there's allegedly meowing at the 45, 46 second mark. People think it's from Olivia and I need y'all to listen to it and let me know if you think it's meowing. (laughs) Some people think it is, some people think it isn't. And I just really need to know. Yeah. When I listened, I I really couldn't tell. Yeah. It's like a very weird sound, but some cats have weird meows. (laughs) But it also could just be like a, a synth sound. Yeah. I don't know. Music. When I looked up, where's the meow and gorgeous Taylor Swift? One of the titles was Taylor Swift's song Gorgeous is actually about a cute dog. No, it's not. <laughs> what? What? Mashable. Click we got bait. it wrong there. And then another one is Taylor Swift raps about her cats and probably Joe Alwyn on new single Gorgeous. 
She doesn't rap ever. No. What? She says, like, I guess I'll just stumble on home to my cats. That's not a rap, though. No. That's a that's a bridge. But yeah, listeners, listen to the timestamp and let us know if you think it's a cat or not, because it's it's yeah. a very gray area. It's honestly... I need to know. So let's move on. Let's talk about Cornelia Street. In the song, she paints this like beautiful picture of when they started falling in love. And she said it herself in the City of Lover concert when she was live in Paris that she uses songs like this as a snapshot to different parts of her life so she can remember that specific memory. And it's really a beautiful song. It is beautiful. One of the lines I really like is, and baby, I get mystified by how this city screams your name. Which I always thought Cornelia Street was in London. It's not. It's in New York City. So that even says it more. New York City screaming Joe Alwyn's name. And last but not least, Lover. Lover. I love this song. Especially the line, it's hard for me to say this without singing it. I won't. You're welcome. (laughs) With every guitar string scar on my hand, I take this magnetic force of a man to be my lover. Like... That is so beautiful and alluding to all of the other love songs she's written in the past, like guitar string scars on her hand. Yeah. You know, it's just beautiful. And there were a lot of rumors spiraling around a potential secret marriage of Joe and Taylor. And again, we're not speculating because if they are married, that's their business. They obviously don't want us to know. And, you know, we respect that. But we do definitely want to emphasize that this is not Taylor's first song mentioning marriage. And those songs have never meant that she's been married in the past obviously so i think just the fact of her writing this line about taking the magnetic force of a man to be her lover i don't think that that's necessarily like proof by any means that they're married yeah love story and speak now we've said it in the past taylor seems like she loves weddings but i think that wraps up this week's episode and we just want to say thank you for listening to good for a weekend yeah and if you want to learn more about joe alwyn or read the interviews we used as sources you can go to our website gfaweekend.com to find the blog post on this episode containing all of our sources and if you like this podcast please take a moment to leave us a review we appreciate you all so much and would love to hear what you think of this podcast Yeah, and if you want to connect with us even further, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at GFA Weekend. You can find us on Reddit under r slash good for a weekend. And we have a Tumblr now, gfaweekend.tumblr.com. Yes. Thank you to our sweet friend, Annie. She encouraged us to make one, so we did. Yes. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye, guys. Bye.